As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Merry Christmas from the jungle, baby! Welcome to the No Dunks Podcast. On the Athletic Network, this is The Drop. It's just like our other podcasts, but better. It's Friday, December 23rd, 2022. Happy Festivus to those who celebrate. I'm J.E. Skeets here in the yard. And alongside me, thanks to the power of technology, Tass Mellis. Podcast listeners, this is for you. Filling in for J.D. all week long, doing an admirable job. There he is. It's Jerome Hello. hello. Hey, what's up? How's it going? Uh, it's going great. We made it through the week. Look at us. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Friday. Finally here. <laughs> we finally and we here. have a, an excellent drop podcast, I it's think, super, for everybody today. Fun. Shout out to the stream team joining us live right now on YouTube. We love to see it. Hit the like button. Subscribe if you haven't. Comment away. Send in your questions and comments to nodunksattheathletic.com or hit us up on Twitter at nodunksinc. And uh, go get yourself a brand new No Dunks Christmas wedgie t-shirt available at nodunks.com. A limited edition I wish Christmas I was wearing that shirt. right now under my uh, Christmas sweater. Yeah, you because, look sharp today. Yeah, I'm in the spirit. I'm in the spirit to wear a Christmas sweater, but it almost feels less Christmassy because I don't have a Christmassy shirt underneath it. Even Are you that going has scumbag Steve right now? No, I'm just wearing oh. a regular. No, I wouldn't do that. Oh. I, I, w- I need a t-shirt underneath my sweaters. Okay. I'm not that much of a scumbag, but it's a non-Christmassy t-shirt, so it doesn't feel as festive. Okay. But it, well, go to nodunks.com. Okay, Get yourself I'll go there. One of those uh, shirts. All right, uh, on today's drop podcast, we got a lot. Like I said, uh, Tass. All right, yes. all right, Jerome, get rid of the shirt. We've seen it long <laughs> enough. What are you doing over there, Jerome? 
What's going on? I know at your parents' house, so you got uh, breakfast being served. Did you just get up and leave the computer? Uh, I'm just kidding. Where there is? She's grabbing the meatloaf. Huh? Oh, okay. Ah! Um, <laughs> I like that you really want to sell those shirts, though. I appreciate that. Um, on today's Drop Podcast, Tass has kicked the Grinch to the curb and is going to replace Worst of the Week with Best of the Week mm-hmm. nominees. Yes, really getting into the holiday spirit. Uh, later on, Cat Jamie is going to join us to discuss her new sports documentary about why the Grizzlies actually left Vancouver. It's called The Grizzly Truth. Tass and I, because we're big timers, got a screener. Got a chance <laughs> to watch it uh, this week, and it's fantastic. So we got lots so of cues about that doc with Kat. And then later on, we'll have some rapid-fire fun. But we start with some you know Christmas-inspired questions, Tass. We usually do this here on our final Drop Podcast before the big day there on the 25th, 1st, 5th. And uh, my first question for you and everybody here in the stream team is, who's on your NBA naughty or nice list? Who's been Mm. good? Who's been bad? Well, my first answer is something I'm excited about, but it also plays into both categories. They were both naughty and nice at the same time. Zion Williamson and Devin Booker were both naughty and nice. And it's given us an incredible rivalry between the Pelicans and the Suns, a real organic rivalry. It does suck. They're not playing again. I wish we could flex the Christmas Day schedule. But uh, the way they've been going through this season where Zion Williamson threw that 360 windmill down, that man, what a nice dunk that was. At the end of a game that was needless, game was over, time ticking down, they won the game, but he wanted... To to make a point, to show the Suns that we are for real even after losing to you guys in the playoffs. And that's why it's nice, baby, that there's there's that rivalry thing there. And then Devin Booker comes back because he wasn't in one of those games that uh, the Pelicans beat the Suns consecutively. And he comes back and drops 58 and then sort of does the exact same thing. It wasn't a nice 360 dunk, but it was at the end of the game. The thing's over and he just throws it up. So I'm very, very excited. I'm very excited to see how the Suns come out this weekend, actually, against the Denver Nuggets because they've had some naughty players on their bench with DeAndre Ayton getting into it with Monty Williams. There's there's just a lot of naughtiness, a lot of niceness. Uh, people are, are definitely uh, a little frisky this time of year. So the fact that we have a, a real rivalry, that's real. And it, it came just from players hating each other and from a playoff series. And uh, the fact that we see Zion, I mean, I'm just excited about that. He'd probably make a great Santa Claus with that monstrous smile that he's got so we'll start off with that yeah i like yeah for players for being naughty for breaking unwritten rules air quotes there at the end of games but then it's nice because us as nba fans get these two teams which yeah yeah genuinely seem to sort of have a dislike for each other and hopefully we see them again in a playoff series okay great start um i'll go with a naughty and it's topical uh, a naughty to the unnamed rival executives <laughs> stirring up some shit here right before Christmas. Uh, Chris Haynes of Bleacher Report yesterday had an article that started like this task, quote, rival executives in attendance at the NBA's annual G League winter showcase are of the belief that Hawk star point guard Trey Young could be the next player on a rookie max extension to request a trade if the team doesn't make inroads come postseason time uh so there you go again that's from haynes and that gets everybody going nuts oh my god trey young he's upset he wants out now what are the trades for him 
But that's naughty, naughty, naughty from these unnamed rival executives here. You know, <laughs> oh, they all just get together and gossip and say, oh, I think Trey could be next. And maybe there's some truth to that, but uh, it's pretty bad. Uh, yeah, I, that, it's interesting you turned it on the executives there because I had to reread that multiple times. I probably got a holiday fog in my brain with all these freaking kids around me. But I had, to, I had to figure it out. Yeah, so Chris Haynes at the G League Showcase, they're watching Players of the Future. And rival executives, as you said, maybe it's one, maybe it's two after the Zach Levine report comes out that he could be unhappy, get together with Chris Haynes and say, you know, if the Hawks don't go far in the playoffs, essentially, don't do something in the playoffs, then I could see Trey Young maybe request a trade. So it's, right. it's, it's, there's, a, there's a lot of steps to get there. And I just, I just ain't buying it. Uh, I, I, as much as they've, been frustrated themselves here in Atlanta. We watched it close up. They have not been happy. Trey has not been entirely happy. Trey has not been great this season for by even by his standards, even though the numbers are there. Yeah, it's 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 multiple. You got to jump to get there. And uh, there was even another part of that report where Demar Derozan could be the next Bulls star to look for uh, a new destination if things don't go well there. Yeah, it just felt like uh, here's a roundup from uh, the G League showcase, and as you said, what's happening, what the rival or the executives are saying at the bar after the game, after yeah. the uh, night is done. They're like saying, keep an eye on that situation there, and that 24 mm-hmm. year old All NBA point guard, and uh, you know, maybe, maybe if they struggle, they like look, they you know, lose in a playing game or get into the first round and get waxed by whatever they play, one of the top teams in the East. That's all possible, by the way. <laughs> If, it, if not likely uh, with the Hawks, the way they played this year, sort of up and down, Jekyll and Hyde, then it's like, you know, get your ducks in a row, get your package together that a Trey Young could be had. So you see why they're sort of spitballing and saying that. But I just love what it does when something like this comes out from a reputable uh, reporter in Haynes because it just gets the, the blog boys and the aggregators going nuts in terms of like, well, Trey Young to the Wizards, you know, Porzingis Kuzma draft picks or... Trey Young to the Raptors for Fred Van Vliet and OG Ananobi in draft picks or Fred Van or uh, Trey Young to the Wolves for Carl Anthony Towns. Man, we can just do a crazy one like that. Like, that's what happens, right? It takes like literally, it's like 10 minutes later, those posts are up there and all the trade proposals for a guy that likely is not, he's not going anywhere this season. I would, I'd be shocked if he's traded no. before and, the deadline. And he, this guy's on the first year of his $250 million contract. Yeah, and he's going to be there next season. I know it's easy to forget all the stuff that's happened in 2022, but he also was very excited about DeJounte Murray coming this offseason. Okay, maybe he hates it now. You can you can jump on that rumor. But the first move that they would make, that new Landry, the new GM Landry Fields, who's taking control of the front office there, would make, would be to move on from the coach. So I know it's fun mm-hmm. to put Trey Young in, in the aggregator, but it ain't happening anytime soon. The Zach Levine thing is a little more interesting because we've already talked about that and, and how that all goes because the Bulls could move on and, and go in another direction at some point. The L.A. thing feels somewhat real with Zach Levine. And they're going to lose tonight to the New York Knicks. <laughs> and then and then the aggregators will get on their uh, get on their keyboards again because you can't beat the New York Knicks. I'm looking forward to that game as well, seeing how they bounce back or how, how they were respond after two straight wins they, they haven't had a a great season uh so we'll see what they do tonight uh anyone else on your naughty or nice list here uh 
Uh, well, I got another combo. I got another oh. combo, Naughty and Nice. Patrick Beverly had an incredible 2022. You look back, the nice part is he maximized his talents and made a name for himself early on this year, this calendar year, because he was with the Timberwolves, if you remember. He jumped on the table when they clinched the seven seed. He was super excited. And to some degree, was given... I wouldn't say he was the face of the Timberwolves, but he was given a ton of credit for the inspiration in the locker room. And despite having a season where you know, it was nine points per game and not shooting all that well, but the Wolves got eliminated. And still, it was the Patrick Beverly show in the postseason last year when he was eliminated from the playoffs. He went on that media tour, if you remember. He went on ESPN, said Chris Paul can't guard. And people were just putting him on television just because... You know, he, he, he is Patrick Beverly. He's a good quote. So yeah. He's a good quote. So he gets traded, goes to the Los Angeles Lakers, and this is the, the naughty part. He hasn't had a good year with, with the Lakers, and he's in trade rumors because he hasn't been shooting all that well. He's starting, uh, but he was also naughty when he was suspended for three games because he pushed DeAndre eight in the back, if you remember that. The old uh, no-arm push, the, the old shoulder sh- hit. I mean, it was a body check. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then... To further this naughtiness, it's it's gone a little too far, Skeets. He's doing the the too small thing. Like, like he's not he's not scoring a lot, but when he scores, he essentially does the too small thing every single basket. Yeah. He's down twenty six to the Suns, and he has a thing with Chris Paul. I get it, but he he goes and scores on Chris Paul down twenty six, and he does the too small thing. And then this week to your Sacramento Kings, he was in the lane, and he did it to Kevin Herter again down twenty one garbage time and he hit a hook shot it was kind of a miracle shot I mean, he put, put some touch on it and hit it over Kevin Herter who's not too small he's a lot bigger than Patrick Beverly and he went he went back and it wasn't even just a one hand down to the ground too small he he emphasized it. he kind of double pumped it because he was so excited to be down 21 and so this this is Patrick Beverly 34 years of age he's been starting for a long time and I say he's maximized his 2022 because I think this is the last year he starts and this could be the last team he starts for if he's traded it just doesn't feel like uh it's worth starting Patrick Beverly if he can't score even if uh you know he he says he's a good defender and all that I'm I'm not I'm not trying to you know, try and kill his personality and all that I'm, I'm not trying to take that down but the fact is the Lakers aren't good defensively and so if he's not scoring and he's not great defensively, he's probably not going to start again in this league. All that being said, a great 2022. He's maximized his talents as an NBA player, went and played abroad, came over here, and uh, he's been a starter for like 10 years. Yeah. And so this is this is probably peak Patrick Beverly. I think, I think we saw that in 2022. Yeah. I'll call I that. Defi- I definitely know there's a lot of Lakers fans that would like to see Patrick Beverly moved here uh, at the deadline. And if he does get traded... I don't know. He likely then gets bought out and then finds his way maybe back on Minnesota. I know there's been like uh, rumblings about that, uh, where he uh, obviously had a good start to 2022. I've got another uh, person here from a nice list. Okay, um, nice. And shout out to Michael DePodpina for this uh, stat that I'm going to give you here. Jaron Jackson Jr. is on my nice list because, uh, you know, he started this season where he's injured, but comes back and has been dominant defensively. And Pina pointed out this stat. He has, Jaron Jackson Jr. does, an 11.7% block rate, okay? Which would be currently the highest in NBA history 
in a season. Now, there's a lot of season to go, and he did miss some games. But 11.7 block rate. That is the percentage on twos when he is out there. And only three guys have ever gone a full season with a block percentage over 10. All right, so he's like well over that. Manute Bowl did it five times. All right, that makes some sense. Hmm. Uh, obviously, the way the game was played, especially when Manute Bowl was playing, just blocking shots left and right. Alonzo Mourning in 0506, right? Wow, and then championship year. Yep. Uh, Mitchell Robinson with hmm. the 1819 uh, New York Knicks. So that's it, over 10 a block rate for a season. But Jaron Jackson Jr., I just think, like, he's going to be in the running for Defensive Player of the Year. He was last year, and the Grizzlies are a top-five defense in the league, and he's an instrumental part of that. Um, So, yeah, a little love. He's on my nice list. I'm going to get him something nice. Jaron Jackson Jr. (laughs) It's a good one. And uh, the Grizzlies have a nice situation there. They've gone 19-11, and despite Jaron Jackson Jr. not starting the season, despite Desmond Bain being out a chunk of the season. They've been rolling, and they're tied for the one seed in the West. And that has kind of flown under the radar for whatever reason. What do you uh, think about John Morant's recent comments that he's not oh, afraid of anybody oh, in the West? He's oh. like, uh, I guess he was only concerned about the Celtics. Is that right? Is that what he said? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Malika Andrews asked him, hey, who in your mind are, are you somewhat concerned about mm. having to run through in the postseason? Celtics. No one in the West? Nah, I'm not worried about the West. Oh, gotta gotta love it. Yeah. Uh, so there you go. Anyone else on your on your list here? You want to move to the next question? Um, well, just a quick one. It's nice that the Sacramento Kings are the Sacramento Kings of old, of 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 decent. Of old. <laughs> yeah, like of 20 years old. ago. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but you know, we're watching a team try and get a trademark on light the beam. Like this is a new era. Mm-hmm. A new old era in Sacramento Kings basketball. It doesn't feel like they're going to fade away. It feels like you know a, a 500 team at worst, which obviously is a heck of an improvement. Mm-hmm. They, they're they're solid. All right, which uh, Christmas Day game are you most excited for? And, and if you really want to get frisky, rank them even in terms of watchability. Well, I'll start with the first one because that can make or break the day for me. Uh, really? Yeah. Well, it, it could it could put me in a sour mood if it's a if it's a stale one for the for the second game. I I, I bring it up. I bring up the 76ers at the Knicks as the first game because I'm never ridiculously excited for the Knicks game. The Knicks are always bad when it comes to uh, yeah. yeah when when it comes to Christmas Day. You just know that they're going to get romped. And if you look at all the experts' picks for the five games, that one has the best split. It's 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 literally split amongst the experts. Some people think the Sixers will win. Some people think the Knicks will win. They're they're eight and two. I I told you they're gonna win again tonight uh, against the Chicago Bulls. So uh, I feel like they've got uh, great momentum going in. Tom Thibodeau's probably uh, resting Quentin Grimes for that day to get him ready. Uh, that's why they probably lost to the Raptors in all honesty. But I I, I am yeah I, I'm I generally am. I got no idea who's going to win that game. Mm-hmm. It's uh, the, and that one to me is, yeah, is is the most yeah unpredictable because then you've got Luca versus LeBron in game two. Bucks Celtics should be a good game in game three, although everyone is picking the Bucks because the way the Celtics have been playing. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, no Curry versus the Grizzlies, and I think the Nuggets should take care of the Suns at home. Although that should be a good one. So the first one, uh, it's important. It's important for me, Skeets, uh, okay. to get my day going. It's a table setter for Taz yep. Mills. I think uh, most people would likely pick 
yeah, Bucks Celtics, despite this little slide from Boston as the one they're probably most excited for, right? Sure. I mean, I think it's their first game since last year's second round battle. I don't think they've played uh, th- this season. So, you know, that's that's exciting. They had like the classic seven game series last year, which sort of gets forgotten because it was in the second round, but that was a unbelievable series between these two teams and they're still at the top of the East. So that's the yeah. one. I mean, Christmas Day, we talked about flexing it and all that because of injuries. Like it does lose a little bit of its shine. Some of these games, no Curry is a tough one. Uh, and, and the Warriors, how they've looked without Curry and Wiggins, especially, you know, I feel like the Grizzlies might wax them there. And then, yeah, no AD in that Lakers game, but I still have hope that LeBron, I feel like LeBron and Luca like might be on like a, like a, a WhatsApp channel or something or text each other and be like, let's just put on a show. Like our teams are sort of like disappointing right now, but let's just go and you get a triple double, 40 point triple double. Maybe I'll flirt with one too. And we could get like an awesome, just straight up LeBron versus Lucas show and, and the highlights that they put together. So, you know, that one, if those two guys can deliver, it's all those guys because it's not the rest of their supporting cast that anybody's going to be all that excited about. But yeah, Boston and Milwaukee there in, in, in yeah. Beantown. And, and I hope it, I hope it's not like the postseason where Chris Middleton didn't play because he is doubtful uh, tonight. They play tonight, uh, mm. and he didn't play the last game. But maybe it's a game, the, a team on the other side that can wake up these Boston Celtics too. So that, True. Yeah, I'm, that's definitely the the two best teams in the Eastern Conference, even though the Celtics have been on the slide. Yeah, the two best teams in basketball uh, as far as records go. Yeah, and it's going to be the second time I shut him out here. But uh, Pina had a good point with the Nuggets game. Uh, he, he basically said, is this a real chance for – the official campaign for Jokic's third straight MVP. <laughs> Could it be announced on Christmas Day? I mean, you laugh at it, but like in front no, of a national audience, if the guy goes for another 40, 25, and 10, you know, that's it's going to even get uh, you know some of the casuals going, whoa, this guy's still doing this, or these are wilt-like numbers, how long he's been doing this, you know, stuff like that. So I think it's in play, um, but we'll see if he has his way with Eaton there and the Suns. No, I'm buying uh, it. And, and they would be the number one seed in the Western Conference yeah. with a win. So yeah, that's part point. of it. Uh, final one here. Uh, what's on your NBA Christmas wish list? What do you got? Well, we've already mentioned it, but I wish the people in the league office listened to no dunks and flex the schedule. Mm. Well, it's just, come on. I, I, I'm not buying the fact that they can't. Don't buy it. Uh, but I am I'm worried that without Anthony Davis in that second game, uh, against the the Mavs, that LeBron versus Luca could be a dud. I I just I hope it's not. Obviously, uh, and LeBron is, is there's there's he's totally fine. So the fact that he's playing when he's when he's suiting up, he's got the Charlotte Hornets tonight, so he shouldn't have to go shouldn't shouldn't have to go hard for four quarters at home, and then he gets to play Luca. I, I, I'm very excited, as you said. It, I'm pumped. I'm pumped even for tonight's game against the Hornets. The court in L.A. should look beautiful. This guy's the- pumped for a lot of games today. Yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready <laughs> for basketball. Take a break, man. It's the holidays. Yeah. Next week. Right. Uh, I, I, next week we'll take. But listen, teal and the purple and gold. I saw uh, Larry Markkinen last night wearing the purple gold LeBrons. Ooh, ooh, he looked good in those. Thought about thought about pulling the trigger, uh, but. I'm not. I'm not trying to get in a Nike raffle or whatever. I'm not. I'm not doing that. Anyway, so uh, I, I. Yeah, I just. I just feel like the schedule starts off well. Sixers, and uh, the Knicks. It, they couldn't have hoped for anything better with the New York Knicks. No, no, that's uh, good. 
I just hope uh, I hope LeBron and, and Luca get us going, and then both Celtics, and then obviously the Steph thing is is a disappointment. And uh, you went through your Christmas Day schedule a little earlier this week when we we went through the beach stepping questions and how you'd flex the Warriors out of there, and it makes total sense. Uh, but you know, starting to look at it, if LeBron shows up, then we should have a good game. If the we Lakers show up around to him, save Christmas. That's what we're yeah, at. Okay. yeah, that's fair. King Saint uh, Nick. I uh, went and uh, checked out last year's answers to this. Just I was like, what did we wish for last year, 2021, when we did this drop podcast right before Christmas? Uh, we were doing it with Lili, our guy, of course. We had some interesting answers. You wanted a healthy Zion. Okay, yes. That was like the number one thing you really wanted on your Christmas wish list. Fair. Lee wanted a Wolves playoff run. So, I mean, he got that in the end. He was a good boy. Santa gave him that. <laughs> and I guess I was naughty because uh, last season I wanted SGA for ASG. Mm. I wanted Shea in the All-Star game. and uh, Came up short there in Cleveland, but a lock here in Salt Lake City. So, I mean, right? Yeah, he is. So, uh those were what we had last year. As for my wishes this year, my NBA Christmas wish list, I got four things. I'll go pretty quickly here. Nice. This one I'm asking for the moon, Tass, but this is me asking basically for like a, a motorcycle, right? Like, why not? Let's find out uh, how real Santa <laughs> is. Um, I want Zion and or John Morant, I guess I'm not that greedy, to enter the NBA dunk contest. Let's go. Please. Please. I mean, save it. <laughs> Bring it back. Mm -hmm. One of you. Yeah. We only need one of you, two of you. Oh, my God. Uh, ratings through the roof. So, unlikely. It will probably be uh, Shaden Sharp just winning it, and that's fine. Good old Canadian boy. Uh, high flyer. He'll probably win it for the Blazers here uh, in the dunk contest in 23. But let's get Zion and John yeah. Morant in it. Yeah. I think we, if they both agreed simultaneously to do it, like maybe there's a handshake deal. Like if they... They wouldn't just, I don't know. I, I feel like. Well, Jaw said he's only going in if he gets a million dollars. Yeah. Well, well. <laughs> At you, least he's honest. We can't, we can't pool together enough money to buy a team, but a million dollars? A GoFundMe for that? Yeah. <laughs> That's possible. I, we could get I us think there. NBA fans would, would pony up for that. Hmm. Um, I want the Sacramento Kings to make the playoffs. You already talked about it a little bit. Uh, playing unbelievable right now. Mike Brown deserves some uh, Coach of the Year love. I don't think he'll win it ultimately because there's a lot of great candidates, but he's got them playing some defense uh, with a really elite offense. The beam team is hopefully going to make the playoffs for the first time since 2006. <sighs> it's like when we started this podcast. That's a good point. That is crazy to think about. The thousands of podcasts we've done, we've never talked about the Kings in the playoffs, which is, which is wild. It's going to end. Uh, yeah, hopefully this season when they make it. I would love, this is a really weird one, I would like a competitive Eastern Conference play-in game because <laughs> they've been generally duds. Mm -hmm. I know the the, the Hawks-Cavs, I guess, last year was a close game, but mm, for the most part, the last two seasons, the West have given us some decent games in these play-in tournament games, but uh, the East have not. In 21, the Celtics beat the Wizards by 18. The Pacers crushed the Hornets by 27. And then the Wizards crushed the Pacers by 27. And last year, like I said, it got a little bit better. We had the Nets and Hawks getting in. Had some closer games, but not all that close. And Atlanta beat the Hornets by 32. So I guess the point is keep the Hornets out of this damn thing. Because they just lose by 30 uh, every time. Also, uh, this caught me by surprise. I don't know. We haven't done it very long. But the seventh seed has never lost a game yet in the plan. And uh, the ninth seed has never lost their, their game to the 10th seed. 
So we never had like the eight beat the seven in that first game, and we never had the ten beat the nine in that first game. That's counting both conferences. Just a little weird stat for you. Uh, My final one. This is the year where finally some of these names that we always have on the potential guy to be traded list, we can cross them out. Come on. John Collins, let's just be traded here before the the, Mm -hmm. the February deadline. Eric Gordon, let's just trade him uh, before the deadline. I mean, even Miles Turner at this point, let's let's make that decision and let's get him somewhere else. Let's just this is let's just do it. Some of these guys that are always on this list where we just talk about them ad nauseum and, and come up with every trade to every team imaginable. Just pick a team and do it. All right? <laughs> Especially those three guys. You could throw in a Terrence Ross if you want. You could throw in a I don't know. Evan Fournier makes this list a lot of the time. These these names, you know what I mean? I'm totally with you. I'm down even though you know we won't have shows after our December 26th show next week to do an emergency podcast for one of those names. Yeah, if we'll it do happens it. on okay. 27, 28, 29, 30, John Collins, Terrence Ross. Do you do an emergency podcast for Terrence Ross, the man who scored 50 points in an NBA game for your Toronto Raptors once that. Yeah, me too. Absolutely. That's our promise to you, NBA GMs. If you do a trade next week when we're like basically off, Tass and I will fire up the YouTube stream, we'll fire up the pod and do an emergency podcast for whoever is traded. (laughs) All right? That's a deal we can make you. So get to work and, and, you know, they're not, you don't want to trade these guys at Christmas time though, right? That's, that's mean. Yeah, it'll happen, though. <laughs> okay. You know, pink slips happen. Scott Skiles pink slips and all that. That happens around Christmas yeah, Day. We'll give these G League uh, or the executives at the G League Showcase something to talk about. Yeah. We'll do a, we'll do a little pot. Okay. Uh, so that's my NBA Christmas wish list. Let's hear from you guys in the stream team right now. Everybody listening later, watching later. Uh, what, what would you like to see happen here for uh, the rest of this uh, regular season, of course, playoffs when we get to that come April, May, and June. Okay, Tess, let's get to best of the week. Ladies and gentlemen, the best of the week. Uh-huh. Oh, you don't hear uh, JD's Ha-ha, very no. often. Uh, it comes out of nowhere. But I couldn't do worse of the week. It just, it's, it just didn't feel right in the Christmas right spirit. Nah. Uh, so we've got some good nominees, though. We've got four nominees. You guys in the stream team, Skeets, Jerome as well. You let me know which one's the best okay. of the best. And we're going to start with the best of the best. LeBron James, I think, uh, should be a nominee for best of the week here. Lakers visited Sacramento this week. LeBron got his work on or his work in on the Kings court. All right. Normal stuff. You know, he's, he's, he's on the floor. He put it up on Instagram. Now, why he's best of the week was because he put up a regular photo. He's on the King's floor, but he stayed true to the brand because on the ribbon banner, on the the ribbon screens going around the Sacramento Kings arena while he was practicing, it said Kings. But on his Instagram page, either he or one of his assistants went and edited out the S. They literally took the old pen icon or the pen option and just scratched out the s so it says king behind him way behind him this is this is like up in the arena and i like the pettiness i like it a lot (laughs) this this could have been worse than the week task yeah i know this is a hell of a stretch because i know but i like it why and then two he did it poorly he's not even a photoshop boy jerome like that's i 
He that, just, that, like, that's where I'm really up. torn between pettiness. I think we can give it a best, or even just like sticking to brand. Um, <laughs> editing, I don't know. It, yeah. It's uh, if anything that like balances out. This is middle of the week, mid of the week <laughs> at this point. <laughs> Yeah, but I kind of like how it looks like a, a child did it. I, and just, I do like, appreciate that. It, it, it makes it seem like he did it. Like that's that right. I'll give him yeah. credit for. It's very obvious, like scratched out and yeah. just like no, there's no S there. Yeah, he did he did that on his Samsung, uh, <laughs> and you know he cares, but he doesn't care that much. Yeah, that's what I like about. But what it. is he caring about? I don't. <laughs> this is the part I don't get. <laughs> That's his. He he can't have kings. Yeah, we know he's called the king. He doesn't need to remind <laughs> us of that. It's like. Oh yeah, he does. That's oh, petty. It's petty. It's petty. Yeah. There's no doubt. All right, uh, moving on to the next one. A real best of the week nominee, Rudy Gobert, because he receives a lot of criticism. So I wanted mm -hmm. to highlight him here. We're we're extremely fair journalists here on No Dunks, of course. So, uh, John Krasinski, great Wolves writer for the Athletic, reported that more than. 450 target center employees, ushers, concession workers, changeover, etc., showed up to a nice little gift tonight. A signed card and $50 from Rudy Gobert, thanking them for all they do for the Wolves. So employees got to the Timberwolves Arena, and they were pleasantly surprised by nice. something that Rudy Gobert did. And he did a lot of that in Utah as well. And it might, might seem like a tiny gesture. I, I know even in the comments, the haters... $50 for his yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Shut up. Uh, it, was, uh, <laughs> it was a nice gesture, right? I mean, that would be a nice. It's a great gesture. I, I, yeah. I think I'm a, a, like it's not just Rudy that does stuff like this. No, so many no. Of these NBA players, both we, that we know about and, and a lot of cases we probably don't know about, um, do a lot of this stuff, especially around the holidays, and give back to their communities and stuff like that. I think he maybe gave Gobert did too, the ball boys, like Nintendo Switches I saw. Is that... Uh, a possibility. I read that somewhere, maybe on Twitter. Maybe he did that That's in Utah. Or, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah also, that. like, team staff and concession workers, some of these people have been there for, like, beyond players coming in and out. Oh, like, yeah. And so any chance that you get to, you know, acknowledge them or honor them, like, reward them, whatever, like, no, it's great. That's a best yeah. for sure. Uh, and uh, you're right in the stream team. Uh, it seems to be confirmed here. He gave Nintendo Switches nice. and a game to the ball boys slash ball girls as well Ooh, from Michael chiming in the stream nice team. Touch. Yes. Right. Now I want to know what the game is. Yeah. Ah, that's, yeah. that's a very good call. And Sam, you know, no did the math for us because I was too lazy to do it. 22,500 bucks. Nice. Actually, 450 well, times 50. Sure. Add it all up. Sure. It's, that's, you know, look, he's got, a lot, he's got the money. Yeah, I just fine. wonder, do you think any of his um, Wolves teammates are pissed off by something like this? And here's what <laughs> I mean. Like, hey, Rudy, like, why didn't you come to us? Like, I would have chipped in 50 bucks for each person, too. Like, we could have done, like, uh, we could have given $500 each person if we got everybody to pool our money together. But yeah, now you just get good. credit. I don't know. I just wonder. <laughs> it also would be just funny if, like, just players were like, this, this is from us, by the way. Like. Well, yeah, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Hey, did you sign the card or yeah, did you yeah. make it way around it? Yeah. It's actually, uh, it, that's an easier way to go about it. You give them $50 and get it over with because I, I did see P.J. Tucker uh, with Philadelphia 76ers. He took uh, a bunch of high school students to a mall and he gave them $500 each to pick out anything in the store that right, they wanted. Right. They do so how, do, how does that work? Like, let's say somebody goes and buys three pairs of shoes and it comes to like $540. Do they got to go? Oh no, I gotta take that back. I mean, I, I gotta exchange for one pair, you know? 
Nah, my gut I, says <laughs> it's sort of like ballpark it, ballpark it to whatever the the price uh, he'll is take for care each of person, it. and he just pays the bill. Yeah, that, that's that's smart. Be, right? Yeah, he he is making a lot of money. Uh, okay, uh, two more quick nominees: Spurs rookie Jeremy Sohan, because he is struggling at the line, shooting only forty two percent. So he's changed his approach. I think we have the clip here, Jerome. Sohan goes to the line, and his guide hand is totally off the ball now. He's shooting literally with one hand. Has it helped him? No, not quite. But I I call him best of the week because this is his rookie season. And he's comfortable changing his shot in front of the damn world. I think that should be commended. Uh, I wouldn't do that. I mean, I don't know how many NBA players would do that. You know, we've seen guys uh, be reluctant to change their shot form completely. I, I think that's that's commendable uh, for uh, for a rook to be doing. That. I think he's a confident guy, and uh, he'll bounce out. He'll he'll get out of it. It's, uh, to not, do it not during a good the start. season as opposed to the off season, I think yeah. is pretty big. Yeah, I yeah. I mean, that's how bad he was shooting. It's <laughs> yeah. just like, all right, I'm just going to try and shoot this with one hand now. It's like sort of like how we play like on a mini hoop. That's what I always think when I look at that clip. So like yeah. that's what we, because you know you're playing with a tiny little ball, and it's like you don't, you're not putting your guide hand on it. There's no reason. So that's right. What he's trying. Yeah. Yeah. I guess the guide hand was getting in the way, and maybe he was yeah. inspired by Mason Plumlee, as our man Trey, who's watching from Illinois right now, is is chiming in with. Yeah, Mason Plumlee doing the same thing. I also I wanted to mention that too because we poke fun at Mason Plumlee because he's Mason mm-hmm. Plumlee. Uh, but uh, for a rook to do it, I think it's pretty cool. And uh, last last one here, we also ridicule this man a lot. But Chris Paul deserves a best of the week nominee. He graduated. Nice. At 37 years old, CP graduated from Winston-Salem State University, and he decided to gift each person in his graduating class $2,500. And uh, since I am uh, a faux journalist, I'll give you the details on the $2,500. He put $100 into a Greenwood account, which I guess is a bank account, and then an additional $200 a month over the next year. So that's how they get to $2,500 oh, okay. each. That's sort of cool. Yeah, so you got to stay committed. Yeah. You can't just, you can't just. Uh, well, I guess they're all graduated, so you got to stay committed to having a Greenwood bank account, I guess, <laughs> is, all, is all they have yeah, to yeah. stick to. We better check to find out what type of uh, deal he's got with this uh, bank. Yeah, this bank yeah exactly. People are saying, well, well, he must have a special deal. Yeah, maybe he gets 50% off rates. Who cares? They get $2,500 each uh, after graduating. And CP. so cynical, man. Oh, yeah. And CP, let's be positive. The fact that he graduated... Good for him. I don't know what his That's degree great. is in, but mm. what do you think it is? What do you think Chris Paul's degree is in? Flopping? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, like film studies, theater, something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, well done. Uh, it. All right. Yeah. So, yeah, who's the winner, Jerome? Best of the week of those four nominees. Bron, uh, Gobert, Sohan, Chris Paul. I, I like Gobert. Uh, maybe mm. maybe it's like the softy and me like uh, having worked like previously like with the Raptors and other teams. Like I just like any time that a team staff like gets a gift or anything throughout, just because they work so hard and mm-hmm. they really do deserve it. So uh, shout out Rudy Gobert for doing that. Yeah. Did you ever and- get anything, Jerome, in, in working with a franchise? A sports uh, franchise? What if I? Anybody um, ever hook you up? When I when I left uh, when I left actually to come to the Athletic. Uh, the, I need to put it up. That's actually like 
on me, but uh, Toronto FC, the entire team all signed a jersey for me, which was really cool. Wow. And, uh, and it was great, too, because I think just because of all the years of getting to work with them, it wasn't just like signature, signature, signature. It was like a lot of personal messages, which is like oh, super okay. awesome. I was, yeah, and like, well, I, the cynical skeets was like, oh, yeah, that was a jersey they already had signed. They just oh, I, I, I fully oh, had expected nice. that. And then, um, and then also, because keep in mind, that was like during the pandemic. So like, I think that jersey, like tra- it was like the sisterhood of traveling jersey traveling kid and just like went from place to place and finally got um like to me afterward like during the pandemic uh one of my friends still working there was just like come outside and he presented me this kid oh, that's it was, cool it was awesome. so what are you gonna do frame that or right. are you gonna wear it you gotta frame what? it no, i you can't wear it can't I don't wear think it you can. So you'll frame no, it. no yeah. yeah it's gonna be framing yeah be careful it's very expensive to frame things as i talked about recently on, <laughs> that's that's a thing i think it's always discouraging once they start researching it <laughs> yeah we're, we're gonna have to give you a gift certificate to some framing place so you can go get it done because it's, right. uh, it's not cheap all right, I'm gonna need uh, more than fifty dollars if that's the case. Yeah, way more, man. It's like five hundred bucks. Uh, well, let's hear from everybody in the stream team, everybody listening, uh, tasked with those four nominees for best of the week. Who gets your vote? We're gonna take our first break, but when we come back, very excited to talk to Cat Jamie, the director of a brand new sports documentary about the Vancouver Grizzlies. Yes, that's why Jerome is wearing that jersey. We'll talk about that more with Cat after the break. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f- best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. To diehard fans of the Vancouver Grizzlies, the team's abrupt move to Memphis in 2001 is much more than a sore spot. It's an unsolved mystery, and one of those diehard fans decided to make a sports documentary about it, and we are pumped to have her join us live right now here on No Dunks. Director of the Grizzly Truth, it's Kat Jamie. What's up, Kat? Hey, how's it going, you guys? Thanks for having me. Wow, we appreciate you getting up super early there (laughs) on the West Coast to to jump on here. Totally worth it. Uh, well, look, uh, we got a chance to watch this. We got a screener, The Grizzly Truth. I know it's going to be available in Canada, or it is like pre-order right now on 
Apple TV, iTunes, Cineplex, and then is it coming to the states and internationally in in the new year? It is. We are. We'll be having some news um, in the new year, so stay tuned. Um, but uh, yeah, we're excited to finally, you know, be able to show it in the states as well. Well, how long did you work on this documentary? Because you had the successful 2018's uh, Finding Big Country, which was about mm-hmm. you know tracking down the uh, enigma of Bryant Reeves, Big Country himself. Mm-hmm. Were you like when you were making that thinking of the Grizzly Truth or after the success of that one, you were like, oh, I should do another one. How did that come about? No, that was always like the, the feature film was always kind of what I wanted to, to make. Um, and so even when I was making Finding Big Country, I had like a set of interview questions um, that just never made Finding Big Country. But I asked them because even, you know, this was back in 2017. I was like, OK, I still want to make the feature length film. So I got to cover these topics with mm. Bryant Reeves. Well, smart so, thinking. Good planning on your part there. Yeah. Well, we didn't have enough, you know, we, you know, we're still an indie film. And so I had to make the most out of every trip. And I didn't know whether or not we'd have enough money or whether or not Bryant would, you know, I don't want to ask him again. Hey, can I come back to your farm? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I recommend everybody check out, obviously, The Grizzly Truth here, which I loved. And if you haven't, the big uh, Finding Big Country, which is also phenomenal. Um, I know this doc aired at the Vancouver um International Film Festival and then Hot Docs in Toronto. How was it yes. received in, in both spots there in Canada? Uh, the Vancouver uh, premiere was so cool. We flew out uh, a few Grizzly players, Tony Massenberg, George Lynch, and Tony Harvey, and Steve Francis. Um, that was that was really um, what uh, a surreal moment. I was kind of nervous, to be honest with you. Um, but at the end of, by the end of the film, Steve Francis got a standing ovation. Um, you know, there might have been a few boos, but if there were a few, if there were if there was booing, the the crowd just got louder to drown out the boos. So I thought that was really really special. Um, and then yeah, we we came out to Toronto. I wasn't sure uh, what to expect since we were in Raptorland. Yeah. Um, and we're in a city that didn't lose their team. Um, but no, I definitely felt the love from the Toronto basketball community um, and just, you know, basketball there. I'm just so blown away by how big it is. Um, and, you know, so many people came out to, to show support, including Jerome. So it was really cool. Uh, yeah. To premiere in Toronto. Yeah. So our own Jerome, a small cameo, I believe here. In, yeah. In Grizzly <laughs> yeah. A very important cameo. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Jumper looked good. Uh, Thank Jerome, you. Thank you. Thank How you. many takes was that? Yeah. Uh, funny enough, um, <laughs> we were just filming and I didn't know anyone was filming it. Like we were oh. waiting for an interview and I think you guys, like any basketball sicko, if there's a ball around and you're at a court and you're just killing time, yeah, you're, you're shooting. shooting. Yeah. You're yeah. shooting around. Yeah. Always. Yeah. Oh yeah. my god, it's great. Um, well, the level like of access is astonishing, Kat. Um, there are so many like gets. I almost <laughs> don't want to reveal them. Like I don't want to ruin them for people that are hopefully going <laughs> to seek out this documentary. But was there a a favorite interview or or get uh, that you that you got that you were like you couldn't believe it or just went like better than you had ever imagined? I mean. To tell the story, there were five interviews that I knew I had to absolutely get, and that was Big Country, Sharif, Bibby, Stu Jackson, and Steve Francis. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, you know, we got Big Country, Finding Big Country. Mike Bibby, we shot that interview in 2019. It was right after uh, Finding Big Country premiered, um, and we kind of wanted to get, we wanted to keep the momentum going. Yeah. Sharif was actually, he was quite, like, it was quite hard to, to, 
pinpoint him. He's a busy guy, you know, the G League. Mm -hmm. um, but we were able to get that final interview. Actually, Sharif Stu Jackson, the people don't know this, Sharif Stu Jackson, Steve Francis, we, sh we got them the very last block of shooting. So there was many months where I was freaking out going, am I like, I, I don't have like three of the five people I absolutely need. And then the two people like, you mean Stu Jackson, like you have to have Stu yeah. and Steve Francis. I knew that was going to be like a really big critique of the film if I didn't get him. And uh, you know, that scene I, that week I got a text from my re sorry. Yeah, I know spoiler alert. Um, yeah, it, it was, it was, it was a, <laughs> I was like trying to still trying to figure like how am I you know I have no really no connections to the NBA to NBA players how do I get in touch with Steve Francis and I was like I know if I get to talk to him by five minutes I feel like I can convince him mm -hmm. I'm just able to share like what I want to do so my researcher Gerald Narciso on a Monday text like screen cap Steve Francis's story about the signing mm -hmm. called my producer I was like Michael like. I don't care what you do, but I have like you. You have to send me to Houston. And so on Friday, I was in a plane. Saturday, I was you know. It's one of the best scenes. Oh, it's <laughs> amazing! Yeah. Like yeah. so, for those that obviously don't know, haven't seen this yet. Yeah, you fly to Houston because you find out Steve Francis is going to be like at an autograph signing, like a, a card <laughs> like show, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, it's simple as that. And then yeah. you get up there, and obviously you worked your magic because he, yeah. he even he mm even -hmm. says, <laughs> like yeah. he says. Uh, he makes a joke about like, wow, I, I, you're better than Stu Jackson, basically. Like the idea of like your convincing ability to then, yeah. uh, I guess then you were flying to Maryland to to actually talk to him. In the yeah. Movie. And that wasn't like I, my pitch to him there was like, whatever you have, I'll take. If it's five minutes, literally right now, if it's 10 minutes after the signing, we stay, we, we were going to say another day in Houston because I was like, if you have a day right. to do an interview and he then he invited me and my crew to to DC, mm -hmm. and that was his idea to bring me to all those places. Um, so like it wasn't me asking like, hey, can you show me this place or that place? He set the uh, itinerary for for me and my crew, and it was so cool, you know, that he wanted to share these places with us. Yeah. Well, Kat, I, I just want to say first, congratulations. It was phenomenal. Uh, it was really great watching it yesterday. Uh, also, my first question. Did you know before agreeing to come on No Dunks that Skeets absolutely hates Mike Bibby? <laughs> no. <laughs> I, no. I cringed even when you said you had to have Bibby in it. I was, I was actually happy there wasn't a lot of Bibby in it, if I'm being honest. That's hilarious. Uh, he's, so, yeah. A weird running bit that I yeah. have, uh, that he's my arch enemy, Mike Bibby. It's, oh, that's hilarious. It's, it's, it's fascinating uh, at this point that we continue to run with this bit. It was great seeing, it was great seeing Mike Bibby flex. Uh, do his flexing on camera. That was fun. He's obviously looking huge. But you got Bibby to open up. You got so many people to open up. Uh, I think that's you're, you're an incredible interviewer. Did did you are you just an incredible interviewer? That's my first question. Second, did the activities that you did with all these guys like mm -hmm. with Bibby, you played video games. Mm -hmm. You did some tandem bike riding. Did that help <laughs> a lot? Or was it just just you and your skills that got them to open? Up? I mean, you know, no, I think it's <laughs> I think I mean I think it's definitely both. Um, and you know, depending on our schedule, sometimes we would do the interview first. Sometimes we would do the the you know the um, the hanging out bit first. Um, I'm trying to think what what would be our strategy. Um, sometimes we would do you know honestly sometimes we do the interview first so that I would I would know what things to to talk about during our like verite moments with them when we were you know biking uh, with, with George Lynch playing basketball with Chris King so that's kind of how we would set it up there there might be times where we we would do the interview sorry we would hang out first 
just to get them more comfortable. I think I would kind of gauge that and say, okay, I feel like this person maybe might need to come out of his, his shell a bit more. So let's do the, the hangout session first. Um, but, uh, you know, it, I, it's very rare that you get to like chat with so many of your childhood heroes. So for me, this was just such a, you know, once in a lifetime opportunity to tell, you know, what I love about this project is like, I got to tell all these human beings how special they made so many, um, you know, so many of our lives here in Vancouver. Um, and, you know, I got to thank so many people who worked for the organization who, and so I feel maybe that's why people opened up because like I was really coming from a place of gratitude um, and just wanting to share, like, did you know that Vancouver Grizzly fans are still heartbroken? Like, did you know how much the team was loved? Did you know how much of an impact that you had on, on my life and, you know, so many other young fans like, like myself? Um, so I think that probably, you know, probably helped. And there, there are a lot of, you know, there are some people who come up to me who are like, you know, you're too easy on this person or that person. But it's sort of also like, you know, I'm not, I'm not a hard hitting like media journalist. Like I'm a mm -hmm. documentary filmmaker and, and I feel like there is a difference between the two. Yeah. Like in the doc, I mean, you sort of paint the picture of like, I want to call them the three villains, right? Or who is mm -hmm. most at fault for the Vancouver Grizzlies leaving. And, and they mm -hmm. seem to be the GM, Stu Jackson, like the architect mm -hmm. of the team. The Grizzlies' number two pick in the 99 draft, Steve Francis, uh, you know, mm -hmm. the malcontent, if you want to call him that, didn't want to come play in Vancouver, and that was maybe mm -hmm. like, oh, the beginning of the end. And then the the last owner of the Vancouver Grizzlies, you know, the self-made billionaire, Michael Heisley, moving the team to Memphis. And I love how you set that up. It's like, we start. is it Stu? Is it Steve Francis? Is it Heisley? Mm -hmm. Is like the dollars and cents, right? You know, you talk about mm -hmm. that even, like the Canadian dollar tanked. Um, and who's to blame? Like, if you were making a pie chart, where would Kat put the most blame to, or even something I didn't even mention? I would put, I mean, it, it's just like, I would say it's an ex external force that just followed the Grizzlies <laughs> for six years that made everything that could go wrong, go wrong for mm. the team. Um, and, you know, we only had an hour and a half. There's so much more that I wanted to talk about. I think one of the things, one of the threads that I wasn't able to really fully delve into uh, is talking about the NBA lockouts. Mm. Um, and the NHL lockouts. There was an NHL lockout and an NBA lockout right at the beginning of, uh, I think it was 94, 95. Um, and that really hurt, you know, Arthur Griffiths, who was um, the the original owner. And once we lost that, like, local connection to the team, I think that's when things really kind of uh, started to slip away from us. And the lockouts are, like, very crucial to the story, but we just didn't have enough time. Sure. And also, the lock talking about lockouts isn't as, like, fun as the... <laughs> The three main villains so yeah. maybe that's for another story um but no i i mean i think one of my goals with this film is to really exonerate Stu jackson i think he had out of you know um in this you know in the, in the story amongst amongst fans you know really you know um takes uh gets the the gets uh, unfairly blamed mm -hmm. um so i really want to make sure that he had a voice and he was able to um share how how things went um and especially, you know, everyone I interviewed within the organization spoke so highly of Stu um, and how much of a great leader he was, how much of a, you know, he, he just made everyone, the Grizzlies was just like a family. Uh, it felt like family. 
And so I really wanted to make sure that, uh, yeah, that he that he had a say um, and was able to share his side of the story. Yeah, he seems like just the nicest guy even in the documentary. Like when you're talking yeah. to him in his sit down, you're like, oh, this guy feels like it's like a lovable grandpa. You're like, I love this guy, even though <laughs> yeah. you know, he made some questionable choices. And that promotional video that you uncovered in this doc uh, yeah. where losing is learning and that learning. like, ooh. Um, but there was a part, and Tass and I were talking about this the other night after we had watched it, like, he asks you why you're making this documentary. And we were like, mm-hmm. did she tell him to say that? Like, did she, did you plant that? Or like, was that <laughs> him naturally just being like, you know, intrigued why someone so many years later would be making a, a doc about the Vancouver Grizzlies? I think a lot of people, a lot of people had that question. Yeah. So yeah, that was, that was just, uh, no, that was, that was a natural question. And he, uh, yeah, he, um, like many people were just like, why are you doing this? <laughs> so, so, and, and I get, you know, I, I got the, those questions after finding me country. Um, mm-hmm. I got so many people being like, why, uh, why would you make a film about a team that sucks so much? <laughs> and I, what I have to remind people is because I was only six, I didn't know we were that bad. Yeah. Right. I think when you're a kid, it's just the magic of everything, right? And I think, you know, I was looking, you know, uh, watching the Grizzlies through, a, you know, a child's eyes. Um, and that's, it's so magical. And so it was only when I was starting to do my research that uh, I realized we were so bad. And I was like, whoa, I didn't actually know we were, we were the worst team. And it never <laughs> felt like that to me. Sure, sure. And maybe had I been a bit older, I, I might have been a bit more jaded. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I was like at the perfect age to love the Grizzlies unconditionally and to like, you know, I've, I mean, you know, uh, I, I've worked, been working on this film for over a decade, been dreaming it, about it since I was in film school back in like, you know, 2010 or whatnot. So I've dedicated my like entire adult life to the, <laughs> to the Grizzlies. Well, there's so much in this cat. The, the access is incredible. I don't, I don't want to give away the ending and, and, and where you go to, uh, to sort of wrap it up. Uh, but it we went on a journey. I mean, it was fun. It, it took me back to Toronto, and maybe it's my Toronto arrogance and my Toronto bias, but watching all those uh, Vancouver Grizzlies super fans in one room to, to start, uh, I, I was thinking, where did where yeah. did Cat find these super fans? Yeah, and how again, did you find them? <laughs> it was after Finding Big Country. Ah. I got I was approached by so many fans nice. who would like you know after screenings or people would DM me to be like, I thought I was the only one who's still heartbroken. And then I would start, I started getting texts from fans like, Hey cat. I'd be like, Hey. And then it'd be like, I'd be like, Hey, how's it going? And they'd be like, um, like not too bad. Just miss the Grizzlies. And like, that was it. And I was like, I feel like, and that's, so that's when the idea of like the group therapy scene, I was like, what if we got everyone together to talk about our memories, our grievances, our theories, um, so that's, that's how that idea, you know, came about was just cause I was inundated with like all these super fans who I just kind of became like the therapist almost. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so that's, that's how I met all these super fans. I loved it. I loved all of that. And yeah, I don't, am I, I'm not alone in that, right? Is it, I, cause I wonder there, you did a lot of the interviews about, uh, you know, the, the, the Toronto arrogance, uh, there was, that came out. <laughs> am I alone in that skeets Jerome where I wondered where are, where did these people come from? Where did, where did these Grizzlies fans come it's from? It's amazing that there was a lot more than I would have thought there'd be. Yeah. Um, I, I There was a part, and this was definitely me growing up in Toronto and my Toronto arrogance, where it's like, 
we always hear like the Raptors are Canada's team, and there's someone from I believe one of the uh, Grizzlies yeah. super fans that says like they're not really though, you know, like we had our own team, and it's like oh yeah, you know, we just say that now. It's like oh Canada's team, they got a whole country behind them, and it's like not really the case, especially if you were in Vancouver and you had a team that you loved and that left. Yeah, yeah and for me, like Toronto arrogance for me, it wasn't <laughs> just that; it was also uh, a little bit of pettiness because and. Again, no one's fault, but I remember when the team started, I was, what, 10 years old, something like that. I visited my cousins in Vancouver, and we were, I just remember, I don't know why I have this memory, but playing on the street, like on, a, on the front, and some, like one of the kids from Vancouver just trash-talking me and being like, the Grizzlies are better than the Raptors. <laughs> the Raptors are never going to survive. Grizzlies are here forever, all this, and me not understanding anything that's going on. And for some reason, for the longest time up until basically finding Bing Country, I remember just always thinking like, ha, the Raptors stayed. <laughs> but then like now, I mean, I, I think between finding Bing Country and it's almost like you, you talk about how Cat's able to uh, – get all these players to really open up i think the existence of finding big country makes such a difference in able like people people being able to see like how sincere cat is mm -hmm. in terms of like how much she like cares about the team how much the team means to her like her like rabid devotion like um this jersey here is actually designed by cat is <laughs> wow um, my childhood drawing that jerome's repping right now. yeah that, it's it's this right here uh, amazing it's so good, but um, and that's what Steve Francis yeah. says, right? He said completely. That's where he he saw uh, finding big country, and he's like, "Oh, that's you. Let's yeah. do this." Yeah, and then like, like I want to tell Find my side yeah. of the story and stuff like that. Yeah, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and finding big yeah, it's a good point, Jerome. Like finding big country uh, was actually it was set, it was like kind of like a calling card almost because I could send it to players like, "Hey, my name is Kat Jamie. I'm doing this documentary. I did this documentary about finding my country. Here's a link." Yeah. And I feel like that's probably what also kind of disarmed. Like that was um, a great way to to connect because they could see my backstory. They could see how I treated Bryant's story. Yep. Um, and then yeah, and also to further that drum, yeah, like the Grizzlies and Toronto rivalry was real and <laughs> yeah. still exists. Like for for diehard Grizzly fans it still exists. Like everyone in that room, I mean, I'd say majority would be like, would feel the same way as, uh, um, you know, um, uh, that, that Grizzly player, uh, yes. who was like that, you know, we had our team and it doesn't feel like the Raptors yeah. doesn't feel like our team. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. But he, but oh, he sorry, was, Ken. he was the guy wearing a John Morant Jersey as well. He was, <laughs> yeah. 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 Was that guy, the, yeah. the one guy yeah. who was comfortable repping Memphis. He made a baby cry yeah. showing up in that. Uh, <laughs> that so jersey. Good. Um, I, in fact, you know what? That's funny you brought that up, Tass, because, like, one of the first notes I wrote down in watching the doc was, like, is Kat a Memphis Grizzlies fan? Like, and, yeah. you know, I, I'm not going to spoil anything, but we sort of go on this journey and, and, and mm -hmm. it takes us uh, to a destination in the end. But it was like, that was the first thing I wrote down, um, which is like, it's like, sort of like, why, you know, I don't know. It's like in my head, it's like, you should be. I mean, you obviously like basketball. You love basketball. If it's, <laughs> I mean, but are you a Raptors fan or are you not an you don't have a team you just love the game like where where do you stand on that well when the grizzlies left i became a huge steve nash fan okay mm, where, yeah. so like in high school like my room was like decked out in dallas maverick posters there you go. like finley and dirk nowitzki and then when you went to phoenix it was just like um you know steve nash um in the phoenix jersey all over my room 
But um, and then when he retired after, you know, when he went to L.A. and I kind of I don't necessarily feel like I have loyalties to team anymore. Um, I'm starting with, I mean, with the rap when the Raptors uh, in 2019 won that or were in the finals, I was like, I definitely got on board cheering for the, the rap because it was still, you know, still a huge thing for Canada. Sure. Right. And the Raptors as well. Like, um, but I was I always tell people I was wearing my We the North shirt but I had my Grizzlies like cape like you know mm. around me um but no definitely cheering for the Raptors um and now obviously Memphis I definitely have like a, you know um, a soft spot for that team just because you know the city the city really welcomed me uh with open arms um and the organization did too and, and the, I've met so many super fans of and, and it's cool you know in the film that you know they they obviously all know and recognize like kind of the roots of of the team yeah. so that was really important yeah you almost seemed shocked by that in the film like <laughs> yeah. you, went, you know you go I, to memphis and you're like asking people like, you know where the team comes from originally and everyone's like yeah. vancouver and you're like wow well, you're like <laughs> <laughs> yeah well it's so funny i guess my friends actually like my best friends kind of laughed and i didn't realize this but when i say like kind of go grizzlies here in vancouver people look at me like i'm like who like are you <laughs> you know who are you and like what are you talking about but when I was there, like I was the one surprised because everyone was like, "Yeah, yeah like go Grizzlies!" Go Grizzlies. And yeah, and I was like, oh, "Yeah, like." And I've never. I that's not the usual reaction. I I look. I hear when I say that I look like a weirdo. <laughs> right, right. They're like, <laughs> we haven't had a team in a long time. Why are you still cheering yeah, yeah. for a team that's not here? <laughs> yeah. Hey, did you ever yeah. think about? Um, you said you like there was a lot more you wanted to put in the doc. Did you ever think about like tying in more of like the Sonics losing their team and it being obviously so close to Vancouver and and that sort of angle to it? We definitely, yeah, there's, you know, unfortunately, uh, a lot of stuff that hit the cutting room floor. And I think that those interviews was one of them. We we went to Seattle. We filmed with a, with a few more people. We actually, this, because of weather um, and my schedule, we just weren't able to do it. But we, we, were, able, we were supposed to film with, super, with Sonic super fans mm. as well, um, just to get, like, you know, to get their story um, and to see the similarities. But, of course, um, that just, we... we didn't end up actually filming it in the end, but it just, we just didn't have any time. Mm -hmm. uh, any other questions, guys, for Kat? We might have to let her go back to bed. It's so early. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, I, I just want to know, you, 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 know, you present this film as uh, the mystery of, of the Grizzlies and, and why the hell they disappeared. Uh, to, to me, one of the great mysteries is Michael Heisley buying the team in 2000, putting all sorts of money into a building, a practice facility across the street, and then one year later selling the thing. I, I still not don't. even like a year later. Yeah, yeah, like very one season within later, a yeah. season. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, uh, it's totally. I, I totally forget that even as a basketball sicko, the games were still happening in that 2000-2001 season, and mm -hmm. the players are starting to be asked, "Oh, uh, this is you guys are moving." Uh, I had totally, totally forgotten about that. I mean, I still don't understand the financial part of it. Uh, I love how you you mirror it with with John Bitov, the the original Raptors mm -hmm. owner. And at first, he's like, "Oh, that that dollar thing, the the whole the, the excuse that the Canadian dollar went down, that's bull crap." Uh, but then he's asked, "Well, if Vince Carter wasn't drafted by the Toronto Raptors, would the Raptors still be here?" He says, "Um." Probably not. I mean, essentially, <laughs> essentially, essentially, it's like nobody knows anything. Um, right. But is, is there something you still don't understand, something that's still perplexing after all this research you've done? Yeah, I mean, 
you know, I unfortunately Michael Heisley has passed, um, and I, you know, I tried to get in touch with someone from his family, um, and uh, just wasn't able to get in touch with anyone. But you know, I think that truly understanding that that side of the story of, of why he decided to leave, I think, you know, talking to Tom Penn, they they had they always had a pl- and he says this in the film. He's like, we always had a plan B. Like, make no, make no mistake, Kat, mm-hmm. we had a plan B. He says that. That's the first thing he says. The second thing I'll point out is that, um, you know, I don't know if this actually makes a cut, but Tom is like, um, what does he say to me? Um, what is my point? Uh, I, I'm totally blanking. Well, no, I guess I guess um, he said he was in the conversations. Tom Penn was in the conversations. He was, with oh, sorry. Yeah. He was, yeah, he goes, he's like, he, um, you can argue, you can argue that he pulled the plug too soon. Mm-hmm. Like, that's not an argument. He like because he he did, yeah. but that's his choice to make because he's the owner of the team. Mm-hmm. Sure. And so like and so like that's you know did he pull the plug too soon? Yeah. Yeah. But he has like that you know that he and that that's what, I, what I'm talking about with like local connection to the team. He has no ties to the city. Like he kind he can do what he wants to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing that was interesting about the the interview with John um, is. You know, there's two factors that were different between the, the Grizzlies and the Raptors. And uh, those are, you know, Vince Carter. Sure. But the teacher's pension fund, yeah. which he yeah. Yeah. glosses over. But, like, that's huge. Yeah. And that's why the Raptors were able to to ride those, like, the, you know, the low Canadian dollar yeah. longer than we did. Because we didn't have that big of a safety net. Mm-hmm. But the Raptors did. Yeah. yeah. That's so, a good point. Yeah. Well, as a businessman, so, it's, it's, it's odd that Michael Isley comes in and spends all that money on a practice facility. Uh, and then... Months later, I yeah. uh, I tried to do my research, like to try to figure out, okay, like you know, was he getting like a deal from this or like you know, and, and so I did like try to figure out more about that, uh, but you know, at the end of the day, you know, people who were in his trusted corner were like were telling me, like, why would he invest all this money if his intention was to move it? I think the counter argument would be. But he was going to make bank in Memphis, <laughs> right? right? right. Uh, but, but then, but still, he's still a businessman. He, like, why would you spend needlessly? Mm-hmm. Which is what Debbie Butt says in the film. So I, you know, I do, I do believe that. Like I, so, anyways, it's still, there's still, you know, things that you can argue. Um, but yeah. you know, I think the main thing is like, you know, did he pull the plug too soon? Yeah, he did. But yeah. He, he had every right to in a way because it's his team. And one other thing you can debate. Is Michael Heisley or was Michael Heisley a good singer? Because <laughs> I, I had totally forgotten. Michael Heisley, the owner of a basketball team, came out opening night the first season, the first and only season uh, he had the team in Vancouver, and he sung the Canadian national anthem, yeah. American businessman. A, a lot of people were giving him credit. Uh, Kat, do you think he was a good singer? He's <laughs> uh, not bad. No, he's not bad at all. He wasn't bad. It's a crooner. Like, he was yeah. a crooner. He, yeah. <laughs> um, but no, like props to him for doing that. Yeah. But yeah, he wasn't too bad. Yeah. Not at all. I, I love that you reminded me the Grizzlies actually started their franchise 2-0. and <laughs> They won their first <laughs> right. two games. Like Chris King, I actually had completely forgotten was an NBA player and had that tip in buzzer beater and you talked to him in the... Uh, in the documentary yeah. too, yeah, it was it was a trip down memory lane uh, for sure. We we loved it. We really suggest everybody seek this out, especially you Canadian uh, podcast listeners and, and YouTube viewers here. Um, like I said, Apple TV, iTunes, Cineplex, pre-order the Grizzly Truth. Seek it out. You're gonna love it. Go watch Finding Big Country too. Get your hands on that, and then Cat set it off the top. Uh, 
big news coming for American people and international people that it's hopefully going to get on a couple, I assume, streaming platforms or something like that. For sure. Yeah, thanks, Geets, uh, Taz, and Jerome for, for having me. Michael, my producer, Michael Grant, and I are huge fans, so it's really cool to be here today. Well, we appreciate you jumping you, on Kat. again so, so early. Uh, happy holidays. Everybody, go check out The Grizzly Truth. Kat, thank you so much. We're going to take a final break when we come back. Pick them results and rapid fire fun. Don't go anywhere. If you're as obsessed with basketball as I am, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Hey guys, this is JJ Redick. Twice a week, I'm cooking up something special for basketball junkies on my podcast, The Old Man and the Three. I bring on guests in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, like Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash or Paulo Bencaro on his shooting workouts with Kevin Durant, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron when they were teammates in Miami. But it's not just about the player interviews. Every Monday, I break down the top three things happening around the NBA without the outlandish takes. Often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler, we dive deep into topics like rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? The Old Man of the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man of the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, back here in the yard. I don't know if you can hear them, but I'll apologize. The leaf blowers have shown up. (laughs) Sorry, guys. They're eh, about 10 feet away from me right now, just blowing leaves around. In December? Sub-zero temperatures? What the hell are they blowing? I'm I'm very (laughs) confused because they don't usually come until Saturday. I mean, I get it. It's the Christmas weekend, so maybe that's why they're uh, a day early here. But, like, yeah, just take the week (laughs) off, guys. I mean, (laughs) we don't don't need to be pushing around the eight leaves on the ground while it's freezing cold here in Atlanta. Um, Okay, pick them results last night. Uh, I had the Wizards. I swerved an L for me. Win for Task. Win for Trey slash Jerome. Task ten and six. Trey nine and seven. I'm six and ten. So I'm. Well, I guess there's a week left here in uh, in um, December, but we're not gonna be making uh, picks every night because we're not gonna have a show every night. Oh, I'm in trouble. Anyway, what's uh, what's our game here, Task? I know we had it wrong yesterday, or we were <laughs> we were looking ahead. So where, where are we going? Yeah, we're going to Christmas Day. The last game of Christmas Day is Denver hosting the Phoenix Suns and Denver a two and a half point favorite in that last game. And I'm surprised. The, most experts just say Denver is going to romp if, if you're looking out there and, and checking the picks. It's surprising because the Phoenix Suns are a good basketball team. And I am interested to see how they bounce back, recover, whatever word you want to use from that DeAndre Ayton, Monty Williams uh, incident. Trey slash Jerome believes that they're going to come out with a victory while myself and Skeets think that Denver will romp uh, and cover that two and a half. Why do you think Hopefully they're going to... Christmas Day gives them good enough vibes to hang over for yeah. a bounce back. Win. Yeah. That's true. They're going to be on the road. Got to come together. We'll, we'll see what happens. But yeah, the five-day sched, 
five game sked, I was surprised to see a lot of people taking uh, Denver because I feel like that should be a competitive game. But that'll be the wrap up for five great, great games, hopefully. Okay. So our pick them <laughs> is for the Christmas Day game. That's <laughs> not, correct. Yeah. Not any game tonight, <laughs> even though there's obviously a ton on in the NBA. Okay. I just want to yeah. clarify that. So when we come back on Monday's uh, uh, podcast or YouTube stream, we'll be addressing. Uh, who wins that Denver Phoenix game there, the last game of uh, yeah. the Christmas Day schedule? And we'll be talking about obviously the Christmas Day schedule on yeah. Monday. We'll we'll talk about all of them. Okay, let's wrap up this fun drop podcast with some rapid fire fun. I'll ask the questions. I'll also answer them with you guys, because why not? Our first one, we debated this on uh, the 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 latest Is This Good podcast, Maddie O's great podcast with JD, TK and I were on and the the main topic, the first question, was Santa Claus. Is he good? Uh, so it was, I mean, go, go seek it out. We talked about 20 minutes uh, about that. Oh, my God. The, now the leaf blower guy is in my house. Um, but the question off of this, guys, is what's the most questionable or mysterious thing you believe in? And you can't say Santa, I guess. So uh, uh-huh. get us started, Tass. I believe in witches. They're real. Um, there's, there's some way, shape, or form they're out there. Maybe it's because I just watched Wednesday, Tim Burton's Wednesday, which is kick-ass. Uh, it was pretty fun. But, yeah, I'm, I'm not a ghost guy. I mean, I could be convinced. But uh, no. witches, yeah, simple as that. I'm, uh, this one was tough because I, I really couldn't think of mysterious or questionable things. I mean, one in the theme of this show and from the segment we just came off of, I will believe that Vancouver will get another NBA basketball team. Mm. I like it. Wow. Wow. That's um, a pretty unbelievable one. So, but I mean, you know, manifestation and positivity. Why not? Sure. I yeah. think I heard your answers. Um, Jesus. <laughs> Good answers. Uh, I uh, believe in uh, this mysterious thing, and that is that aliens are real. I believe that. And uh, they live in cats. I've said this before, it's their <laughs> surveillance system. Like, aliens okay. are in cats watching, you know, taking uh, data and uh, sending it back to wherever planet they're from. <laughs> they're, they're, just, they're just always watching us. Um, so that's what I believe. All right, next one here, very simple. Best Christmas gift you've ever received. Tass, what is it? Uh, so we were just speaking with Cat. We're going out west. I'm going out west with mine. A Calgary Flames garbage can. I've got a photo of it here, me receiving oh, it. Nice. Before every before everyone was saying, oh, that's trash, that's trash. Uh, I was saying <laughs> that's trash. I was throwing stuff into my Calgary Flames garbage can. I don't know if anybody had these sports-themed trash cans growing up, but I they're like... I had a Raptors one exactly yeah. like that. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, so they're like, yeah. you know, three feet high or whatever, yep. tall, Those cylindrical things. Those for, uh, for a small window. <laughs> they're awesome. Yeah, when you hated your sports team, you could just throw stuff in it. You're trash. Uh, so it was pretty fun. Those were awesome. Young Mellis there with his Calgary Flames trash can. I love that photo. Oh. Okay, Jerome, best Christmas gift you've ever got. So my immediate reaction coming, uh, like when I read this, was thinking about that time in high school where you already know what your present is, but you can't open it until at least like finals are done. Mm-hmm. And the one that I know I anticipated the most was my copy of WrestleMania 2000 for Nintendo 64. Oh, good game. Good game. I, yeah. I remember <laughs> uh, 
never getting to try WCW NWO Revenge. Ooh, so my first entry into this, even better. So yeah. my first entry into this was going to be WrestleMania 2000. And I just remember every night studying, looking at the box, reading the back of the box, reading the front of the box, back and forth, back and forth. Staying to my word, I did not touch it until I was done exams. Wow, good but, for yeah, but that that was a good holiday. It was a good holiday, honestly, in the rest of my life. I mean, like like I said, I'm back at my parents right now. I can dust off the Nintendo 64. I think I know what I'm gonna do through this winter storm. Just win a couple oh, of championships. Oh, somebody's gonna be on Twitch playing uh, <laughs> N64 games. Uh, my answer is similar to that. It's also a video game. Uh, I'm older than you, so this is gonna date myself, but. Uh, Blades of Steel. Ooh, I got once classic. for for Christmas the uh, Nintendo game, and oh my god, that's when Nintendo games cost like like ninety five dollars, like the brand new games. It was like right. what, uh, and I couldn't <laughs> believe I got it. That was all. That was a lot of money for. Uh, I think it may have been the only gift I got, and I didn't care. That game was badass. It, it's you have to pull everything when it costs that much. Like oh, you're yeah. getting one gift. Yeah, and then it's great because like that's all I did for the rest of the the Christmas break was play uh, Blades of Steel. And, oh, such a such a fun game. All right, final one here. The tradition of Festivus begins with the airing of grievances. It is Festivus today. I got a lot of problems with you people, especially leaf blowers. Uh, who or what has disappointed you the most this year, Tess? Oh, it's got to be Elon Musk. I used to love Twitter. I used to, Twitter used to be my being. Elon, what have you done with it? Views? Ugh. No, yeah, thank you. What's up with that? It'll be That's gone stupid. in a week. Uh, and uh, yeah, just so many changes. So many. What a roller coaster it's been. Just not the All same. Right. It's not the same. Okay, Musk for ruining Cass's <laughs> beloved Twitter. Uh, who, do you, who would you like to air some grievances uh I, I really Drew. did this week, the croissant lady uh, earlier this week who True. took all the croissants. Um, I My thing, so we all know taking an L on a sneaker drop, that sucks. <laughs> One particular shoe that got released this year like was supposed to be for everyone, the Tom Sachs general purpose shoe. I have taken so many L's every <laughs> release that it comes out. I don't know if it's because I'm Canadian. I don't know if it's because I just need to get the right bot. I need to like log in at the right time. But that's the only shoe I want now, just because I can't get it. And it's a real grievance at this point. Okay. <laughs> You'll get there, man. We'll get you Thank you. Thank you. Thank uh, you. Well, I was going to say Scotty Barnes, but I have to pivot and change it to leaf blowers. I really do. Because <laughs> I, I, I'm, now I'm confused what's going on out there. Like, it's really loud, and it's continuing to be loud. And uh, I think they're just messing with me now at this point. They probably saw me through the window podcasting. But leaf blowers, man. Let's just go back to the trusty old rake. You know, nothing wrong with it. They make them real big now, too. It's a nice workout. Uh, let's go to the rake. Back to it. Because <laughs> these leaf blowers are insane. Oh, my goodness. Uh, well, that's our rapid-fire questions. Good answers, guys. Let's hear from everybody out there in the stream team, everybody listening later. Especially your best Christmas gift. I like that one. What was, that the, what was the one that you, you continually go back to and think about? Fond memories of. Thanks again to Cat Jamie for jumping on the pod with us today. That was a blast. Um, again, keep an eye out, and we'll try and keep you informed, too, on the, the Grizzly Truth, uh, the documentary that is uh, available in Canada for pre-order and coming hopefully here to the States and probably international streaming services and stuff like that. And Jerome, you were a consultant 
Were you not on, on the I was, dock? yeah. yeah. I, uh, yeah. I helped produce a couple of the parts that were in Toronto. So right. if you see some of the fan shots there, I mean, that's also why inevitably I ended up getting that cameo is because that was during one of our sure. shoots. Sure, um, But uh, no, I thank, uh, I was very fortunate to get connected with Kat through when I used to work for NBA TV Canada when we were broadcasting Finding Big Country. And then from that point there, uh, we've always just like stayed connected. Um, when the pandemic happened and there was a couple of things that they needed to shoot out here, but it was very hard to travel. Uh, it, it was just good, like, I think for Kat, it was just good to know someone uh, out in Toronto who knew some people in the Raptors media community as well as Raptors Twitter community and kind of like help with some of the uh, production on that front. So, yeah. Uh, it's very, pretty cool to have cool. your name in the credits I know, of a, it, a really, it's, uh, really well done sports documentary. It's yeah. surreal, yeah. It's awesome. Uh, all right. Well, we'll keep everybody uh, up to speed on the Grizzly Truth. Uh, it, it's a really, really fun doc. Uh, we hope everyone has a safe and happy holidays, uh, including you guys here, of course, here on the stream. We plan on podcasting Monday. That is the plan to recap the Christmas Day slate of games. Um, Tass, you're gonna be you're gonna be okay for that. I mean, plans can change, but uh, you're not going anywhere, right? You're gonna be here in Atlanta, so. Why not jump on? Exactly, exactly. I'll be watching the games. I'll be, uh, I'll be using Zach Carper's uh, drinking day guide on Christmas Day. Oh, of I course. read that. There was a lot of rules. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I, it, there's no way you can follow all that. It's a lot. It's a lot of rules, especially if you're playing by the rules the first game. I mean, I, I, yeah, I can't. I'm not a lush. I can't a go. Day. I can't go. Yeah, 15 hours. I mean, or what whatever we should do is we should play the Zach Harper Christmas Day drinking game and then podcast after the last game uh, yeah. at night. I mean, yeah, that would be, that would be dedication podcast. to the crowd. Yeah, yeah for, for sure. sure. Yeah. Uh, but no, we'll be back on Monday to recap those games and hang out with everybody here that wants to join us on YouTube, want to get away from your family for an hour or two. Uh, we'll be here probably going live at 10 a.m. Eastern. All right, guys, have a fantastic Christmas. We'll see you guys soon enough. Till then, Clipper Bro. You heard it here first. Have a great time. <laughs> Turn up. Love you guys. Awesome. Oh, my God. That's a Christmas treat right there. JD as the Clipper man oh, in London. Amazing. Oh, that was amazing. a nice surprise. All right, Tassie, what's the quote? Yeah, thanks for joining us. And remember, we do a live YouTube show every day. So if you want to see JD as Clipper Bro, come on over. Click to the end and see JD in front of Buckingham Palace. I guess that is there. That uh, was doing his thing. Amazing. Amazing. Embrace the holidays, people. <laughs>